0: This is the Colloquium Podcast, produced by the MIT Comparative Media Studies program, and it's November 8th, 2010. I'm Andrew Whitaker. A couple Thursdays ago, we welcomed back to campus two of our favorite people, Trace Ball You and Mary Jo Peel, two of the creators of Mystery Science Theater 3000 and its live version of riffing on terrible, terrible movies, Cinematic Titanic, which is on tour now. Join us throughout the semester for Colloquium. You can check the schedule on our website, cms.mit.edu. Or hear more of these podcasts on our site or in the iTunes store.
1: Hi, I'm General Sophia with the Comparative Media Studies Gambit Game Lab.
2: And uh, I'm Jason Beggy, also with the Gambit Game Lab.
1: And we are here today because the lovely folks from Cinematic Titanic have decided to come on by and speak to you all about what they do, um, and which is absolutely fantastic. They were here back in January two thousand and nine and it was it was a wonderful discussion. We thought before their their show tomorrow night at the Wilbur Theater in downtown Boston we'd have them all by to talk about what they do. And for you folks who don't know what they do, I thought I'd just put together a quick sample reel. You are what
3: Seventy minutes of this. I they
1: stood in I speak And
4: don't call me, comrade. Call me Kurt Mason,
1: Super American. <laughs> get your, moves. Get your moves. Yeah. Introduce Trace Bull, you and Mary Joke. Let the awkwardness begin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Sorry, would you just? How much sound can we get from the chair?
4: Is anyone missing one of these? <laughs> there seems to be an awful lot of them here.
1: Would you like to begin, Jason?
2: Yeah, so um, first of all, I think the most important question on everyone's mind is who the hell do you think you are and why do you think you can just make fun of people? Ouch.
3: Well, who the hell do I think I
1: am? When you started with Mystery Science Theater way back when, I, we you know, the last time that Trace was here and he was here with Joel and we discussed the formation of MST3K and now you're doing Cinematic Titanic. And I'm thinking to myself, we understand the original ideas as to why you did it that way and I think we want to move into why we're doing it the way that you're doing it now, and which is the live version. Um, and we looked at Mystery Science Theater and why was the live version something that you wanted to attempt?
3: Well, I'm not sure that we even started out with that intent, um, but we had an opportunity to do it, and correct me if I'm wrong, Trace, but we had an opportunity to do it at the L.A. Film Festival at the uh, John Ford Amphitheater, and um, all of us have our background in stand-up comedy, and when we did that live show, the response was so great, it really sort of fed our stand-up comedy um, interaction with the audience. And I think that's when we sort of got the idea. We also did it live in Dallas, I guess, too, at the Dallas Film Festival. And uh,
4: ILM. ILM you know, we had yeah. done that live show.
3: Right, so way back. And I think that just sort of, we liked that instant response, and I think that's when the light bulb started going off, that this could be uh, really a winner live. Uh, the, uh,
4: d- the 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 DVDs that you are seeing here um, are also extremely expensive to do. Uh, to to get the uh, studio time and to build. Actually, there is a set that we had to build. Uh, and the, uh, as Mary Jo said, the, the the live shows are just so direct and so immediate. And uh, there's no there's no Jim Crackery involved anymore. There's no puppets or spaceships or any conceits of any kind. We're just us. We're not even playing characters. Um, just pure funny.
1: But when you started Cinematic Titanic, it was still a, like a higher concept piece in that way, and now it's moved to directly being put on as a, as a live performance on DVD. What was the idea behind taking it from that way and then deciding that the live performance was the better way to go? Was it a logistical issue? Or?
4: Well, we were developing a really complicated backstory um, and on the DVDs, you see a little hint of that where uh, we walk in this long hallway and there's some technicians leading us through and they're implying that there's some kind of uh, meltdown with, uh, with, the, with the thing, the blue, the blue media. Right. The, it, uh, yeah, I
3: mean, still being forced to watch bad movies, I think, was the overall yeah. umbrella that we were forced to be in this situation. And then
4: trying to find some way to you know, make this backstory of why we were being forced. It was just getting too clunky and complicated, and uh, we started doing the live shows, and we thought, well, this is, this is so easy. <laughs> we don't need to build all this stuff.
3: Yeah, and I think the idea when we were doing Mystery Science Theater is that um, people needed the, the premise, the framework, to, to hang that idea onto. Why else would people be watching bad movies? And now ten years later, I think people have accepted the notion or that framework that that is something that could just happen without a yeah. fiction around it.
4: Yeah, everybody knows what we're doing. Um, we're, not, we're not hiding anything. And, there, you know, none of this was designed. We didn't, <laughs> we didn't, like, get in the car with a map and go, okay, we've got, we know what we're doing. Uh, we only now kind of know what we did looking back. But there was exactly. We're still making it up as we go along.
2: So continuing then with the um, the color process has evolved. So you've gone from having to produce shows on a weekly basis to you know your new format. Um, how much has like the time constraints and the scheduling changed your creative process, hmm. or in what ways?
3: Well, I think um, we we are owner. Formed and operated. I mean, all five of us own the company and formed the company. So I think that that um, that plays a part in uh, our lack of schedule of releasing DVDs. Um, we don't have big money behind us. Uh, um, I think another piece of it of the puzzle is that uh, um, once we started doing live shows, we have how many live releases, three, four?
4: Three on DVD. And we
3: found that was a cheaper way to go. And there's, we, we all live in different cities, so the very process itself is a logistical issue. And uh, I think that's another thing that really hasn't been planned out. We're still playing it by here. We made a slew of them in the studio, then we started releasing live ones. But it's kind of um, piecing it together as we can. All of
1: us living in different cities. And that's what came up the last time that you were in town. I was there to actually be there for your rehearsals, and I was surprised that the piece that you were working on you know, was going to be the piece you were working on that night. You were still working out the jokes. This is about two hours before. And then I started getting this idea that you live in Texas, if I understand, and you're living in Minneapolis, and Joel's living on another coast. So how much time do you actually have and where do you do the rehearsals? Is it now on site? Is it where you're doing the, the actual concerts? Yeah,
4: once we get together, once we've we've written the script and it's all compiled and it's in a final, final-ish form, then when we get in town, um, we'll sit down in the hotel and, and rehearse the movie, go through the movie and rewrite jokes that need fixing and... Uh, and that that's our our time together. Um we we've tried we try <laughs> we tried video conferencing and that's just no, that yeah. was my
1: question. So these scripts, how are they actually formulated then? Is it all through email? Is it Yeah? Yes. Um
4: we technology. each technology. Yeah. <laughs> it. Maybe this is not the right career for you. <laughs> no, we all uh take uh a movie and uh go through it. We all do a complete pass on the film writing our jokes and then all five of those passes get combined into one big pass and then we all take a section of the movie and uh, edit down and assign the jokes to each person and then there's one final pass once that's all compiled as kind of a, a punch up pass uh, and then we get together, as we will tomorrow, with our new movie, Rattlers, which yes. is about snakes. <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll work that over tomorrow, um, iron out the, the rest of the kinks, and we'll keep working on it. You know, as we, as we perform the show, the audience will then tell us where it's not working, and that's painful. Uh,
3: <laughs> and as, that's probably what you were seeing is the, the jokes that hadn't flown before and, and polishing or changing those. And um, Frank has a real tendency to keep things contemporary, like he'll throw things in, uh, you know, very topical political jokes.
4: Yes, as well as, um, as much as he's topical, He's also
3: true. obscure. <laughs> Refining those obscure... And that's why we love him. Uh, exactly.
4: Unfortunately, he's no longer in the group, nor is Josh or Joel. It's just Mary Jo and I now. <laughs> it's much more streamlined. <laughs>
3: so
4: this will be for the iPad version. You know, you've got the, the computer.
2: So last time you were here, you talked a bit um, about how you chose the movies. And as I remember, it was kind of Frank went off with a box of them and was forced to do like the first screening and then would come back and talk about which ones he thought were viable. Um, is that you still use a similar process now or like how do you go about picking exactly what you're going to make use of?
4: Well, Mary Jo, you've found them. You've gotten more personally involved with.
3: Uh, I got a line on. The um, Alien. Right, the yeah. Alien Factor. Um, I know a guy who knows. Don Doller's son, and he said, I can introduce you. You might talk to him about doing the alien factor, which I personally love. I think the other thing that's happened is that uh, we have to go with more public domain now, because we don't are we allowed to say we don't have a budget, or should we act like...
4: Well, I don't think we should mention that we okay. don't have a, We should still pretend like we're a bigger Big money, company. okay.
3: <laughs> yeah, we've had to do public Oops. domain, and uh, believe me, they're out there, so I, I don't think we're wanting for that. But uh, we look at a lot of public domain. There are some movies that we have uh, gotten the rights to on the cheap, and Joel has done a lot of looking around at those and done copyright searches on those.
4: Yeah, I think he tracked down Rattler's... Uh, which we'll be showing tomorrow night uh, at the Wilbur Theater. Eight o'clock. Just to bring that up again.
1: (laughs) Rattlers. But that brings up the point, though. I mean, so you have Joel. You're looking at a lot of public domain stuff. You have Joel hunting down the copyrights and everything else. And You were at Comedy Central for a bunch of years. I assume that there was a group at Comedy Central to do all the clearance and everything Yes, yeah, yeah,
4: they did all that, that work. They would literally, as you said, they'd send us a big box of, uh, at that time, VHS, VHS. tapes. And the kids are going, huh? oh, they're they looking on the Wikipedia. Uh, and Frank would go through them and he'd find a movie like Manos and he would come back in the room and make a pitch. He said, this is really great, I think we have to do this. And uh, Mary Jo, you did that too, right?
3: When Frank left, then I took that over.
4: So, uh, it, as Mary Jo said, they're, they're everywhere. They're out there. There's some really great ones that I hope we get um, that I can't tell you about. <laughs> I almost said something.
3: <laughs> Oops.
2: I'm so along similar lines. Um, so obviously you reworked uh, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians and got to do that again. Um, is there anything else you've thought about or might like to revisit? Um, I know Gene in particular wants to see you do Catalina Caper again. God knows why.
1: That's my favorite. <laughs> but I mean, are there old MST3K titles that you're just you know maybe we can pull this off again live, or, or are there are there films that you just know that you, doing it in a live a live way is just not going to go well, well? A lot of
4: those Mr. Science movies I don't think would play well live. They're not um, as complete, uh, you know. The, the, we had the luxury of, um, you know, you're watching at home and it let it unfold. But when we're doing it live, it, it, we really have to fill all that space with jokes. Um, so I, I don't know if there's any favorites that I would go back to. Uh, yeah,
3: I, I have to. I agree. I, I don't think there's anything I would go go back to. I think. Um, Boy, a lot of them I don't yeah. Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. I didn't write on that one, so it was my first time visiting it for Cinematic Titanic and I uh I can feel my blood pressurizing just <laughs> thinking that. I just hate that movie so much.
4: <laughs> that one too kinda we broke um, we broke a rule that's sort of a comedy. I mean it's Yeah, it tries to be
3: funny, which yeah. is really hard to
4: Yeah. I mean, if, if it's laughing at itself, it's hard for us to exactly. make
3: fun
1: of. But the jokes are so horrendous. Like, I, that's one of those films that just lends itself, it seems. But there must be more comedies that you can make fun of.
4: Well, Catalina Camper is arguably Attempting
1: a comedy. Attempting to be a comedy. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm. So, just to uh, further with that, then, you mentioned that there were some kind of, like, fundamental differences between the movies that you did on MST as opposed to what you do now. You used to use the word completeness, So, are you talking about like um, like? Is it making sense? Or I mean, can you just explain that a little bit more? Because that's an interesting point. Um, I can't explain it because I think I just pulled that word
3: out (laughs) of the air. I have no idea what I was talking about. (laughs) Now, open your blue books.
4: (laughs) Heads down. (laughs) Um, There's a um, a different playability. Uh, another word. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, I don't know how to describe this. How would you describe this for me if you were I? <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, are you uh, saying that we don't? We do very little editing with the movies that we get now. Is that what you're getting at? Because the movies for MST were were long, long, and edited for time. We never edited I- the uh, s- the. The, the dialogue or lowered the dialogue so we could talk over it, but we did have to compress time yeah. on I, those I,
4: movies. I think what um, what Mary Jo is trying to say for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're looking at movies that perform that are that are better to perform in front of people, because we we really um, are structuring it for a live show and not a more of a passive uh, show.
3: Yeah, and I think think part to that is the idea that um, all the movies that we've done for Cinematic Titanic Live have some sort of uh, visual element, or there are various scenes where the audience... Is that a fire alarm? (laughs) 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 Uh, That the audience will laugh at on its own. We don't have to say anything, and that's uh, really... Fun to see what the audience responds to, a goofy monster, a, a bad monster, or um, dialogue between two people that we just sit back and let the, the movie do the work for us.
1: When in relation to audience, when you were originally doing again the, the Mystery Science Theater was in Minnesota, you were protected somewhere hidden. now you're going out to towns like Los Angeles and New York. and I, I think about actors that you particularly preyed on back in the days, like Archell Jr.. You know, and I'm not going to bring up Joe Don Baker again, but those actors in particular, when you're going to these live venues, have you ever met up with any of the actors that have been in these films now that you're in Los Angeles, you're in San Francisco, places where they might still be hiding after their B-movie careers? I really, this is honestly my my biggest question when folks were going to come. I I think the,
4: uh, well, the most recent interaction was uh, people from The Alien Factor in in Los Angeles.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, Don Doler's son, I talked to, and he um, he came to Austin for the South by Southwest Festival, and I had a chance to meet him, and uh, he has a very good sense of humor about his father's work, and his his point was his father was doing what he loved, and that's really all that, that mattered. Another instance I had was um, getting to meet Rick Sloan. Uh, Hobgoblin's... Two, right? Hobgoblins. yeah, Bob goblins. Bob goblins. yeah. The,
4: the original pure Hobgoblins. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say, you, you're, you're absolutely right. We were a little bit isolated. And uh, so ten years later to uh, meet Rick Sloan, and and um, my husband and I were invited to go to his house and see all his his. Puppets and he has this bodies. You know, <laughs> he has this amazing collection of uh, vintage um, uh, uh, stuff and posters. And um, I have to say, I was a little self-conscious because I mean, we really took off after him, and he actually loved it. And he and I don't think that's the case for everyone we made fun of, but he loved it. And he said that it gave hobgoblins a second life and and uh, sort of invigorated his, his career, you know, so but I was very self-conscious about it.
4: I think all these actors and, and were doing a job, you know, and they knew they weren't making high art uh, and the ones that did uh, don't know how to
3: find us. So, <laughs> and, uh, and, I'm sorry, go ahead.
4: Oh, the, the thing about Joe Don Baker is I think probably a myth that he's really angry at us. But again, he's really old, and he might not know where we are.
3: <laughs> Didn't Peter Graves have some choice words? He hated
4: make? us. Peter Graves hated us. Uh, absolutely.
1: Uh, you did him a couple times, too. You, yeah. yeah. Um,
4: yeah. He, he did a, a, the narration voiceover for this uh, video game, Dark Star, that Murray Joe and the rest of the CT guys were in. Um, And when he was doing that voiceover with the director, he made it pretty clear that he he didn't like us.
3: (laughs) Well, and I think Frank says that most of the actors, the well-known actors who were in these movies, had some idea that they weren't making a great movie. And uh, most of them, we have found, have had a good sense of humor about it, right?
4: We met Richard Keel, EGOT. You guys mm -hmm. did, yeah. Very nice man. um, To... Feeble, I think, to attack us. <laughs> um, Miles O'Keefe back in those days. What were cave dwellers, right? Yeah. Who in that mm-hmm. movie? Um, Kim Cattrall. Yeah. Um, all people just making a living as actors and just really nice, decent people who I will never make fun of again. <laughs> <laughs> so to, uh, just to return to your
2: methods now, um, we're curious kind of about the production, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry the production, the distribution um, for example, you have DVDs. You were working with Easy Takes for a while. Um, still are.
4: Yeah. We still, we're still working with Easy
2: Takes. Mm-hmm. That they, was my, I thought
4: so, but. They do all the download uh, mm-hmm. stuff for us. And uh, the DVDs, we're still uh, manufacturing and distributing those through our website. Mm-hmm. So do you find. And like, you can buy them oh. at our live mm-hmm. show. At the Wilbur Theater. What what was that movie? Was that Rattlers? Rattlers. Rattlers.
3: You will be tested. Where
4: we will be appearing. All five of us will be appearing. Um, Some of, well, the three others for their final appearance.
3: (laughs) We're gonna have to let them in. That this is their farewell tour. Yeah.
2: So, have you found like either format to be more successful, like the DVD distribution, or I mean, do you have any idea of like how much?
4: You know, business is done through easy Download takes. versus hard yeah. disks. Well, the hard disks are still um, outsell. Mm-hmm. Uh, people want an artifact um, and something that you know you can take away or have signed. And uh, for example, at a show, uh, for uh, <laughs> perhaps if you want to be a <laughs> shill for us, yes. Uh, originally, we were just going to do downloads, mm-hmm. and the fans kind of demanded that we produce an artifact.
3: I did not know that.
4: I I kid you not. That was unknown
3: by me, heretofore unknown by me.
4: There's a lot of things I'm not supposed to tell you about the corporate running <laughs> of this.
3: Don't you worry, you're pretty little head. No, but uh,
4: we we even get emails from people sending us photos of their mystery science collections and their the mm. shelves full of the DVDs, <gasps> yeah. which wow. is really cool. And they'll uh, they they bring the box sets and even their robots to the live shows <laughs> it's really kind of eerie when you look out in the theater and there's like, there's tom servo <laughs>
3: <laughs> and he's not laughing
1: yeah. it's like little <laughs> you had the logistical problems with with producing the the studio videos having everyone in so many different locations and then they think about the live version but there has to be problems with the live versions i mean you get to come together you get to practice the material you get to work it out live but at the same time, what do you find being a major issue with doing a live show? If there's something that, that hurts the process or actually makes the process better in a live show, do you feed off of lamps, for example? Oh, absolutely! absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
4: it's fun to try to crack everybody up on stage. Um, there's uh, there's a few lines where we all look forward to Frank reading them because.
3: You can't get you them can't out. get the line out, and we
4: all know it's coming. Um, but in sort of technical problems, we've never really had any big glitches. No, not
3: would, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. perhaps. Tomorrow night it could at the Wilbur. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know. For the debut of Rattlers. Yeah. yeah.
4: You you know. People go to NASCAR for the crashes, so.
3: No, wait, we did have a <laughs> Wow. There was a night when the the DVD uh stopped. I want to say Michigan.
4: Oh, that's right. And right. I think my mic went out one night.
3: Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah.
4: that's about as glitchy as we get.
3: Right, but you know, we like I said we all have a background in in comedy and live theater and we we're, we're pretty good at thinking on our feet and rolling with it. We are. No. Yeah. <laughs>
2: So, can you talk a little bit about um, how it all came about? No. You know what I mean? Just the, Okay. What do you got? <laughs> <laughs> I wish
3: I could, but I can't.
2: How CT came about? Yeah. Just, I mean, what was going on? What precipitated everything coming back together? Uh,
4: well, um, there was a, I think it was, a, was it a Shout Factory release or a Rhino release of uh, a King, uh, no, not King Kong, who's the Lizard? Godzilla, uh, Godzilla. thank you. Uh, we, uh, they put out this mystery science episode of Godzilla, which they weren't supposed to. And right. it got out to the public, and their fix was, we'll send them another movie and ask them to destroy <laughs> the movie they're not supposed to have. Wink. Right. So uh, Joel was asked to do kind of a wraparound fix to uh, instruct people what they should do with this thing. And he got in touch with me and Frank to, do, uh, to resurrect the mad scientists for this little you know, educational, informational thing. And we all had such a great time doing this again. We were also doing, shooting some tests of uh, a movie segment and doing some other things to see if we could possibly do more mystery science theaters. And it turns out we can't because there's one person who holds that uh, property and uh, we're not allowed to touch it. But we had such a great time doing that again that we said, well, what can we do together again? And that's kind of when CT was born. Uh, And then Joel came up with this concept of the silhouette array that you saw on the video. And we all got back together and started writing it and performing it again.
1: There was a documentary that came out about three months ago called Best Worst Movie. I don't know if either of you have seen it, but it was about the cult surrounding Troll 2. And how people made Troll 2 into this gigantic phenomenon because I think it's still rated the worst movie on IMDb. If you actually go to IMDb, it's the single worst movie in the history of IMDb. But one thing came out. They're riding this kind of new celebrity because people are noticing Troll 2. They're going all over the country having screenings. People are showing up. And then they go to London and nobody comes. And they go down south, and no one really comes, and it starts to become apparent when you see the documentary that mocking movies in certain parts of the world doesn't seem to make sense. <laughs> it, was, it was really odd. Like I've always felt that, that what you folks do is very locked into U.S. media culture and you know, a lot of referencing to to things on television in the fifties and sixties and seventies and what have you. Have you ever thought about getting what you do and trying to do it somewhere like England, for example? Do you feel like that is a challenge that you would like to take, taking a, an English property and having fun with it?
3: No, not if they don't
1: like us. Let's <laughs> 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 just troll yeah, too. Yeah. Be
3: uh, like absolutely, that? I would love. You know, I would love to try that, but I also want to have some. I guess. Because uh, yeah, some assurance that at least they're open to the idea that you, you know I, I have a background in stand-up comedy. I, I need to not hear silence when we're doing jokes. So um, yeah, yeah.
1: Do you think that that? But I guess here's the best way of saying it. Do you think that what you do is is very much an American thing? To mock old media culture? Do you think that that's something that have anyone ever done what you're doing somewhere else in their own way? Hmm. I guess the best way of saying it, have you ever seen Mystery Science Theater in Thailand?
4: Uh actually there is a Russian version.
1: There if, is. If you, that's right. Yeah, right. If,
4: if you go on YouTube you can find this Russian version. It's pretty much a copy of of Mystery Science Theater three thousand, but the evil scientist is Hitler and uh,
3: Yeah uh, <laughs> It's really wild.
4: It's just it it's mind blowing because it, it has a little opening theme song and it's got little robots. Only I think one's a penguin and yeah,
3: it's just little,
4: other one's a pillow or something. <laughs> <Isn't> it? <laughs> it's it's really it's bizarre. Very real wild. Uh, so I they they must be doing it over there. There must be. I don't know what regions that mockery does not uh, live. <laughs> right. um, we have a big following in England. Um, there's uh, the sci-fi London. Uh, just did an all-night MST um, marathon. Um, and we've sold uh, DVDs all over the world. So i um, trying to think of where we haven't sold them.
1: Well, it's just that in the documentary, it almost is implied that it's an American phenomenon. We're lucky enough to have so many great films, quote-unquote, that our bad films are so glaringly bad that you can make fun of them. Whereas in Russia... You know, maybe what we consider to be a crappy film isn't that crappy. And because of the film culture that's assembled there, it seemed that was, that was what they were saying, not what I was saying. So I think about something like England. Have you gone and seen people react? Because some of the references in Mystery Science Theater and Cinematic Titanic are very American-centric. Like, I I, I don't know how that translates. Well, I, sometimes I, I think
4: it's, if it just sounds funny, people react to it. Um, there was a particular joke... Um, uh, that went by, and my wife was watching it, and she didn't get the reference, but it sounded funny, and it was the line was delivered in a funny manner, so it worked on that level. Uh, I think it's kind of like Python, where we didn't get all their references, we didn't know have any idea what, who they were talking about politically, but it was it was just funny, and uh, I think that trans that's universal language.
1: It is. It's love and money and funny.
4: Um, but it, you know. We were very. Maybe it is an American thing. We're so steeped in culture and pop culture over the last, you know, 30, 40 years with, you know, record albums and and television and all this stuff that we absorbed because we were of that age where you had to absorb it. You you couldn't save it anywhere. We didn't have any kind of way to record anything. And I I think it was passing it back out. As some kind of uh, you know cultural communication thing that uh, that shared oh hey they said that thing I already know about so they're speaking Definitely. to me kind of yeah. phenomenon and I think it's something everybody did anyway everybody did this at home or in the college uh, common room or you know you got your friends together everyone did this or does it still I think. Yeah, I think there's something to what you're saying about it just
2: being inherently funny because, you know, I remember watching the show when I was far too young to get most of the references and you see, you know, fans at conventions and stuff, I mean, fairly young people. We had some younger kids the last time you came and it's, I still think there's there's something still subversive about it, right? The idea that you're going to a movie but then you're going to make fun of it, you're not going to sit there quietly in the theater and just absorb it.
4: I think we did it in school too, you know. As we're watching films, there would be the smart, aleck kids in the back of the room mm-hmm. making rude comments.
3: Yeah, and I think I think you bring up an in- interesting point. And um, in the family that I grew up in, and sort of the Midwestern culture, I won't speak for you, but because we're both Midwesterners, there was this idea that... <laughs> well, was, then you should speak for me, okay. if we are Yeah, but no, I don't want to put words in your mouth. But it was the idea that if it was on the big screen, it had some... Inherent validity and power simply because it was on the big screen. I mean, my parents would always say things like, "Well, they they tried so hard," as if that <laughs> in and of itself, you know, spoke to the validity of it or the quality of it. So I think there's something to 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 the idea of um, taking a step back and pointing out, "No, it's not working," and, and we oughtn't just let it wash. Over us, unexamined or uncritiqued, is what I would say.
4: Well, uh, exactly. That it's so uh, revered, and we made this thing, and we know what we're doing. How dare you call us on that bad edit? Right. Or that that stupid spaceship <laughs> or, <laughs> on yeah, strings. Or in. Um, uh, danger on tiki island when you know it's a pretty reasonable movie up until they drag out the michelin man monster Monster. (laughs) and it's like why did you have to do that
3: right
4: or or this island earth you know it's a it's an okay movie not a great movie but then they drag out the big you know monster at the end which was tacked on um, I think because Creature of the Black Lagoon was such a hit, yeah. I think, Hey, we need one of those. Throw <laughs> oh, them in there. Yeah, but it, it's it's reacting to that kind of bad uh, decision making on their part.
3: <laughs> right, exactly. I
4: I call you on that.
3: <laughs> you can't,
1: pay. Hey. The last time you were here, Trace, I, I had the fortune to actually ask you, which I'm sure is a question you get all the time. You you've seen all the worst movies. At the time, you said Melting Man. Is the absolute bottom worst? I didn't get a chance to ask Mary Jo this question. I don't know if your opinion has changed on that, Trace. Melting Man is pretty horrible. After we spoke, I went and I actually got it.
4: It was, it was I think, uh, at the time it intersected my life. That uh, what was going around in my life at that time and Melting Man were just, they synced up perfectly and just led to years of depression.
1: <laughs> For those who haven't seen Melting Man, can you describe Melting Man? And why have you never done Melting Man? Have you ever done Melting Man as an MST three K or Cinematic Titanic? We
4: we did it as uh, at MST three K. Did. Yeah, didn't we? Yeah, did we? yeah. Oh, that's that's one. That's why I knew it so well.
1: Oh, <laughs> so the one that I absolutely missed. I know I because I actually went down and I hunted the un MST three K copy of it to see how. There is one. Is. There is. Yeah. yeah. There is. Is, that, <laughs> is that the guy
3: who gets caught at the electrical comp? W- what radiation? He starts or- melting, yeah. Is it, is it a. <laughs> That's all I remember. Oh, <laughs> that one. No. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I didn't. I'm not a huge fan. I don't remember actually seeing his MST3K. So when, when is it Trace color was It was color. It was oh, so it's like color? it's a
3: 70s one. Now I got it. Yeah, like yeah. A, yeah. He,
4: he winds up at the end, like next to a trash can, and he just sort <laughs> yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. And he's melting. kind of. like.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Like, a foxy <laughs> 70s guy, right? And then Not he, at that point, but yeah. Well, earlier. I mean, you, yeah. for the,
1: okay. Yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah, that's a stinker. But you must have a number <laughs> one,
1: Mary Jam. Come on. I'm
3: sorry? You must
1: have a number one. To this point, there must be the one worst, absolutely horrendous film that you just, it boggles your mind. I mean, you know what most of the fans say, and they always say, you know, Manos, the hands of fate, and yeah. they say Ego, but there's got to be one that's worse than that.
3: Yeah, I would say, um any of the coleman francis ones (laughs) wouldn't you i mean they're they're horrible (laughs) films you know you get to a bottom level where you they all it's hard to distinguish what could possibly be worse you know so i think there are a couple in there that that would be on my worst
4: red zone cuba
3: precisely that's the other one he did
4: uh, they all are the same movie. Then, yeah, me. they're just re, re-edited. <laughs> they're completely indistinguishable.
1: Yes. Do you have something you'd like to ask, Jason, before we open it up to the peoples? No, I think
2: we should give the fair people a shot.
1: We have two microphones. I know it's it's a fairly small room in that sense, but we are recording this for, for posterity. If it, two microphones right over there. If you have a question for Trace or Mary Jo, please go to a microphone and ask your question.
4: Or if you have questions for Frank and Josh and Joel, too, we'll be
3: happy to answer them. <laughs> I know they would want you to come to the Wilbur Theater tomorrow <laughs> at eight. What was that <laughs> <laughs> rattlers,
1: rattlers, rattlers. And while people actually tried to get up and go to the microphones, what exactly is rattlers? Can you actually speak a little bit about what rattlers is? I know there's well, snakes. Well,
3: doesn't it say? I mean, <laughs> it it's doesn't it tell you all you need to know. Like piranha. Oh.
1: What do you need to know? I mean, mid-70s snakes? Are we talking late-80s snakes? It's like a mid-70s. mid-70s uh, it, makes
4: it
3: all the greater.
4: Yeah. I think it was uh, released theatrically, although we can find no evidence of it having been released theatrically. Um, and kind of a made-for-TV feel. Yeah,
3: exactly. Okay. Wait. Wait. No. No. <laughs> you
1: marked them down. I, I had to take them down. To the <laughs>
4: They're going to get... A good parking space for tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow <laughs>
1: night.
3: Tomorrow morning. night, that's <laughs> the <laughs> well, no one.
1: Tomorrow night, yeah. If no one else is going to do the question. Oh, thing. we have oh, one we, question. Can you have a question, please? Oh, God, I'm so nervous. So you're always talking about movies you hate,
2: bad movies. Do you like any of these movies? Like, are there any of these movies that you actually generally you would watch again and not make fun of, or watch again and make fun of, but enjoy Enjoy.
3: Actually, I'm I'm fond of a lot of these movies. I think um, I think that's what I liked about the spirit of MST is um, we were ribbing them a lot, but um, I, I think we all had an affection for them and an affection for the the effort. It's not it's not easy to make a movie good or bad believe it or not you know i think coleman francis was doing his damnedest to make a a, a movie you know um some of the ones that i have affection for are um uh, i thought time chasers i had an affection for that one um there's another one that i'm sorry i always forget the name of it but it's uh takes place in space and cameron mitchell is in that robe do you know, and the lady runs around in like a, a, a jazzer-sized leotard, but it's futuristic. <laughs> oh crap! I'm sorry. I love that one. I can't remember the name of it. Um, human duplicators. I think I have an affection for. I like. Trace.
4: I I don't like any of them.
3: I, <laughs>
4: they got what they deserved. <laughs> I'm sorry, but they tried
3: uh, so hard. Uh, you know,
4: it's it's like in nature, the weak need to be culled from the herd and and (laughs) slaughtered. So we're doing nature's job.
1: Does anyone know? We have a couple more questions,
2: which Uh is cool. Uh, So you guys were talking about how even with that
4: limitation, how many do you have to watch before you find one that You're like, yes, this is going to work. This is, you know, what we would like to do. How many films do you have to go through before you find one Uh, The ratio of good to bad in the MST days, I think, was more like 10 to 1, something like that.
3: Oh, easily. I'd say 25 to 1.
4: And we've gotten better now at kind of seeing them for what they are right away. So I think our ratio is maybe now... Fifteen to
3: one. Would you yeah, think? I think. Yeah. Twenty to one. I know that I looked at three Don Dollar films, so and then we there chose one. There more? are three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, three. Right. How
4: many Don Dollar films are there?
3: There might be five, and he sent me three to look at. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Uh, which one is Alien Factor in the order of?
3: Oh, I, I don't recall. Don't yeah, recall.
4: Cause, yeah, because I w- just want to know if he got better. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh. no. <laughs> Sorry, Don. Does, does that help? Does that answer your question? Oh, uh, yeah, I think so. Because so. we have no idea. Right. Uh, well, we, uh, I'm sure a lot of people here have seen the uh, sci-fi original movies on Saturday night. Yes, Mansquito is yeah, my okay. particular <laughs> favorite. <laughs> Have you ever encountered a movie that was just so bad, so awful, that you you just could not make jokes about it? it just you, you could not mock it any more than it mocked itself. Hmm.
3: I know that there were a couple uh, that you guys looked at before I joined the team at MST3K. Uh, um, the Child Bride one?
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah, Child that Bride. That Frank
3: always talks about.
4: Uh, Child Bride was, I think, made in the 30s or something like this, and it was this kind of hillbilly kind of world that they were talking about, and it was about child brides, and we could find no solid ground to stand on with that one. (laughs)
3: Yeah.
4: but uh, I think that, yeah, that's, that's the most memorable one. There are some that just aren't usable because there's too much dialogue and there's no space for us. Uh, or there's a lot of narration and there's no room for us.
3: Or they're too dark. The, the filmmakers couldn't afford a lighting package or the print is or we can't find a decent print. So. And
5: uh, I guess the other part of the question would be, uh,
4: you know, Katie writes to films. Uh, has there been any thought of uh, actually trying to get the rights for some of the sci-fi films? Uh, boy. Uh, uh, the assumption being that, you know,
1: any publicity is good publicity for these things, and they are on DVD.
5: Uh,
4: it's something we should look at. Because, you know, I like those movies because, like, Rattlers, I mean, you pretty much know what's going to happen, <laughs> or Sharktopus. <laughs> you know. Yes! You, really, you want me to tell you what that's about? <laughs> they take a shark. Or, or Mansquito. These are brilliant titles, by the way. I, mean, I... Thank you. Uh, thank you for the question. So,
0: have you seen so Either of you or, or anyone else in the group uh, ever attempted writing a screenplay, or or I, I not to sound haughty or anything, but have you, <laughs> Have you, or have you contemplated uh,
4: producing your own film at any point? Uh, I think Josh is the closest yeah. to um, to that world. He's written uh, a few screenplays and has actually actually written. Uh, television you know hour-long dramas uh, freaks and geeks and and
3: uh... And did josh direct that short yes did he write and direct that short he
4: wrote and directed a short called um, the bad samaritan
3: yeah i think that's the name of
4: it nice little it was like 15 minutes yeah i don't mean little to belittle it i mean little as in short
3: yeah it was terrific I I would like to, but I daren't because I feel like I've put too much bad karma out there for <laughs> <laughs> yeah. filmmaking. I don't want to run that risk.
5: So it, it's my thought that the studio system kind of co-opted what you guys did through fil- films like Starskin Hutch and the A Team and Charlie's Angels. Like they took TV properties and like took all the tonal bad stuff and tried to make them into, you know, big summer release tentpole theatrical distribution films. Strangely enough, I think David Fincher's Zodiac kind of did best what you guys do in a very subtle way, kind of a masterful way of like the themes and the tropes of a bad film of the period, but he made it into this psychological thriller. So when you guys go to the, the studio stuff now and you see that they're kind of co-opting through the dialogue and... Through some of the things they're doing in production value in big studio films, what's something you've seen that you thought worked, where you're like, well, you got to give them props, that kind of work, and what have you seen, because it's become a genre, kind of, uh, you know, since your, your success, I think. Um, so, what have you seen that you've liked, and what have you seen where you're like, that was abysmal? And I, I think most of it's abysmal, frankly, what they're trying to do. Boy, you know,
3: I'm sorry, I, I couldn't say it off the top of my head. Uh, thoughts.
4: What's abysmal? Hmm. Well, we are already established that I don't like anything,
3: so um,
4: it's interesting what you're saying about yeah. Zodiac. I'm going to have to go back and look at that now, through your eyes. Um, uh, but a lot of those, like the ones you mentioned, uh, like the TV TV shows that once were good that they made into these really terrible movies are, are, um, I I don't know. They just, uh, well, okay. There's one movie I just saw that I really liked a lot, Uh, G.I. Joe. Now, I might be alone in this, but um, it's not a great movie, but it reminded me of how we played with our G.I. Joes. (laughs) Which is like you take everything out of the toy box and throw it around the room. And that to me, that was brilliant. If you look at it again, they're just throwing stuff around. And there's a lot of shiny things. Okay, well,
3: first
2: to make my friend just point out to me the movie you were trying to identify
3: a few minutes ago was Space Mutiny. Yes, thank you. Space
2: Mutiny. Yes. Hi, and uh, my question the shorts you occasionally have at Mystery Science Theater, which was easier to write jokes for, the
4: shorts or the full movies? I love the shorts. I think those are just a special, special world that you entered.
3: Yeah, I, I would uh, agree because there's, um, because they're short, there's a, there's a whole different momentum to them. And if you, the ones we did just had the right energy of uh, uh, enough space between, The uh, dialogue and really capturing um, the essence of what was going on in whatever hygiene in the 50s and how they were trying to indoctrinate you. So to look at it through through the contemporary lens was a lot of fun. But I agree, the shorts.
4: Yeah, the the perfect length, very digestible. and just what a terrific target that those things are. And they're just fun to watch on their own. Yeah. If you go to, I think it's the Prelinger archive mm-hmm. online, and just type a random thing, and you'll start watching those uh, on any subject. Uh, I was watching one on blasting caps the other day.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: wow. And, so specific. Um,
4: I was looking up belligerent children. <laughs> And I have a reason. Um, but there was this, this great little short about blasting caps. And, of course, the, the, uh, the acting is so terrible. And these two kids are on their bike, and they find a blasting cap. And, hey, we're going to put it in uh, Susie's barbecue as a joke. Uh,
3: so it was about the dangers of yes, yeah.
4: okay and of course they, they get the blasting cap just in time so it doesn't blow up, but it's this whole moral lesson about... Apparently in the 50s, just construction was... workers would leave in blasting caps all over the place. But I remember those PSAs uh you know, these are blasting caps from my childhood. I never found a blasting oh
3: cap. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Well, I didn't get any... And uh, re- about your question is some of those long, the, a lot of those long ones we do for MSD um, were killer. I mean, we'd have to watch those several times over. And I know that by 2 o'clock in the writing room on the third day of writing, oh, man, get out your gun because it was... <laughs> Man, we'd all be so despondent. Just,
4: oh, it was awful. It was like leaving a coal mine at the end of the day. Like <laughs> we weren't even looking each other in the eye. Know, and, it's just, <laughs> yeah, see you tomorrow. Uh, it, now it's it's a special kind of hard because we at least we had that camaraderie. And we that were, energy
3: off each other. Yeah,
4: we were all in the abattoir together right. you know, <laughs> for <Right>. that afternoon. <laughs> But now we're like we're in different cities and we're watching these movies. Yeah, on your own. And and
3: it's just you and God. the computer screen. When
4: will this movie be over? I know. Because you're watching it second by second by second, trying to think of something. Uh, we, I hate what we do. <laughs> <laughs> Come to think of it, I say we
3: quit tomorrow night. i say we quit. Tender our resignations. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Is there
1: any more questions?
0: Did you guys know that the people from Cinematic
2: Titanic are going to be showing Rattlers in town?
3: <laughs> <laughs>
4: wow, Thank was you for a that. Total I was
2: <laughs> going to take a chance on it and
4: bomb. Totally bomb. All right. So the actual question you
2: had talked about this a little bit before, but um, can you speak to kind of the difference between you went from an edited scenario
4: where you were doing an edited television show to now live shows, where I'm assuming there's you know not as much. Editing, since you can't do that with real life. Uh, You know, kind of the difference in that you had said something about now you have to have more jokes, right? Because you can't just mysteriously make 20 minutes of the movie disappear. Uh, But does any improv enter the scenario? And and, do you have your own share of lead balloons? Like, (laughs) 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 my own bombing joke. We improv, don't we? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we do yes. um we try to stay to the script as much as possible because those those that's sort of the backbone uh but as Mary Jo said earlier if you know Frank gets real topical and we'll add something from that week um or we'll neglect to take topical jokes out, like, <laughs> I think we're still doing something about the kid in the balloon. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
4: Where you're, you run into it on the script and you go, oh, dear.
3: Forgot that. <laughs> uh. Uh,
4: well, I'm going to say it anyway, and hopefully they remember.
3: Um, yeah, but, and there's always I mean, uh, again, speaking for myself, I invariably mess up at least one line in each show, and then, then start laughing, and then people give me crap about it. And.
4: I like when we write Mary Joe like a kind of a nasty line, and then we berate her on stage for it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Mary Joe, how could you say <laughs> such a thing? And I can never get him out,
5: either.
0: <laughs> I wonder, what's, what's it like to watch great movies now? Are you able just to sit back and enjoy them and take them in and appreciate them for You know their greatness, or is there always a snarky voice in the back of your head, you know, trying to write the next line?
4: A great movie is still a great movie. It'll take you out of uh, of your world and transport you to a magical one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, No, I mean, a good movie is still, you know, a gem. There are fewer. To find, of course, my bar has been set real low. Uh, GI Joe is. You know, um.
3: Yeah, I think um, a lot of times I will still, in my head, technically figure out how we could do the movie, like on CT or or Mystery Science Theater. Um, but there, there are a couple that, um, like Trace said, I am transported to. A magical world, like I think. I think *The Sound of Music* is technically a very fine film, but I would love to do that movie. I think it's so corny. I think it's so melodramatic, and yet I think it's it's pretty good storytelling, you know. But um, I kind of see the opportunity in most everything. I'd say *Goodfellas*, and I just saw um, uh, *Machete*, and I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't do *Machete* that that took me away that one was that was too rambunctious that was too good
4: do you, do you have uh, like a favorite film that you think we should attack
0: well the thing that comes to mind is that when i was a kid my best friend and i got together to try to do our own mst3k and went to the video store and tr- just looking at covers and I just went to the drama section looked at covers and tried to find the cheesiest movie possible and we found one that was this old guy um, in kind of like a, a boat captain's outfit and a woman in like Victorian dress. And we just thought, this is going to be the easiest thing ever. And it wasn't until about 15 minutes in that we realized it was African Queen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that had won like five <laughs> awards. <et cetera. laughs> so, yes.
3: <laughs> no. Nice.
1: be honest I, if i can just add into that there's one particular cable station that's in love with the godfather to the point that it's literally i call it the godfather station because every time it's three letters you probably know which one it is and it's to the point now where i'm actively making fun of the godfather when i see it. and i think it's because it's it's retaliation because i can't flip through the cable channels without seeing the godfather anymore and that Revisit that one. I think that might be I know it's like hard to get the rights for it, but it's it's one of those things. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> think it right. Where everyone exalts it to such a high level, I think IMDB for a while had as the number two oh, most right. highly rated film of right. all time. And but there's a lot of room in there. To, to make some really unpleasant jokes, but I think I think it's unlike the films that you pick out. We're, not, we're these, not
4: going after the Godfather. Right not right going that right, right, right now.
1: but right films <laughs> that you pick out normally? Like you know, <laughs> the, again, Rattlers, which is tomorrow night at the Wilbur Theater. Does uh, <laughs> <laughs> everyone do it? Um, you know, The Godfather is is, is one of those things that I think deserves it because of, of just the beat down it's given you in, in in television. It really is that film that every time they need a little ratings boost, they can always stick it on. And I heard someone. Actually discussing this in relation to that station, that they could always put it on it will always get people watching it, and I'm like, "Damn you for doing that!" Because I'm one of those people. that's like, "Oh, why? Of course I know this scene, and it's it just feels as though it needs it needs a treatment." That's all I have to say about Have you that. thought of getting a remote? <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem. If I was to, if I did not. Have-